Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Good morning. Certainly, I'm glad that you chose to be with us this morning. And if you are joining us via uh, internet on one of the various many uh, platforms that Neil broadcasts on, we thank you for joining in with us this morning. Uh, it's always a, a desire of mine, if I get this opportunity to stand before you to, uh, to, to say something that, that gets you to thinking. I, I want to say something that provokes your mind, that provokes your heart, and I want to say something that um, uh, keeps you thinking for the next several days. And, uh, you know, that, I think that's the goal of any gospel preacher. That I am not a gospel preacher, but from time to time I do uh, get called upon to uh, stand in this position. Uh, you know, I, I, I think back and, at all the many times that I've sat in different uh, auditoriums and different assemblies, and you watch various gospel preachers who are standing before uh, a congregation of people, and, and you see the way they deliver a message, and you say, I want to be like that, and I think I can do that. And you you practice all week long, and you, and you go over your, your lesson, and and you think you've got everything down, and Sunday morning you get up and you start second-guessing the things that you prepared. And that's something that has always plagued me in, uh, in this endeavor. But uh, this morning, I hope that you will bear with me for just a little while, and, and I certainly am thankful that our elders, uh, Matthew had come to me a couple weeks ago and asked me to do this, and uh, the elders did not approach me, but I'm thankful that the elders had enough confidence to allow me to go ahead, and I'm thankful for Dylan this morning for uh, being willing to lead singing uh, this week. It's not his week to do so, but Fifth Sunday kind of throws everything off a little bit sometimes, so um, uh, I'm thankful that Dylan was was willing to do that this morning. Um, over the past, I don't know, uh, five, almost six months, uh, our country ha has faced obstacles that we never uh, dreamed that, that we would face. I think most of us have sat over the years and we have watched as different illnesses, different viruses, different sicknesses have plagued third world nations and, and, and underdeveloped countries and, and places like that. And we've seen those things on the news, but we never thought something like that would, would come to our country. We've seen things that have, ha have gotten very close in the past years, but nothing has affected us the way that COVID-19 has. Um, how many of you remember back about four and a half or five months ago, we sat in this auditorium on a Sunday night. We had a live stream broadcast from Double Springs and there was a doctor who, who was uh, talking to us that night about uh, COVID-19 and how we were going as a country to have to deal with that in order for us to get back to normal. Uh, I remember uh, one thing that has, has continued to come back to my mind that he said that night. And one thing he said is by the time the weather warms up and by the time summer gets here, we will have forgotten about this and it will be an afterthought. Well, guess what? Almost six months later and we're still wearing these things. Uh, it's something that, that has affected our nation in a way that, that we never, ever expected to be affected. The advent of this virus has brought on many different obstacles to us, not only 
as citizens of this country, but as members of the Lord's church. The changes and the challenges that, that COVID-19 has brought is our lives in general have changed. The way that we conduct ourselves on a daily basis, it has changed. The way that we um, uh, greet people. How many of you have ever taken for granted the fact that you can walk up in, in a worship assembly before we uh, come into worship or afterwards and you can shake a brother or sister's hand? We take those things for granted because those are things that we do every day in our life. Those are the small things that we look at. Our worship practices has ch have changed. If you'll look, we've got we've got these pews roped off and, and, and we're having to spread ourselves apart to be able to be in this building worshiping. Uh, COVID-19 can, if we allow it, make us complacent in the Lord's church. It, it can cause us to become satisfied with just being able to come together. I remember the first Sunday that we were able to be back in this building that there was a sense of, of worry in, in most of us, but there was also a sense of excitement because we were able to be here and that was exciting to us. But we don't need to get to the point where just coming to this building once a week is the excitement of our lives, is the excitement that we desire because we have to remember those are things that, that we are commanded to do, but also we do that on different days of the week because of uh, the oversight of our elders, the things that they have given us, the times that they have set aside. And, and I don't want us as a church to get used to just coming together once a week. Uh, but hopefully what this has done as a whole is that it has given us a sense of appreciation a sense of appreciation for the things that we consider small things, the things that we consider little things, the things that we have taken for granted in our lives. And as we begin to adjust in this nation to our new normal, and I think that's what we're going to have to deal with, I think for now, the, the normal that we have known throughout our lives is no longer going to be the normal. Uh, what is our goal? What, is, what, are, what are our personal goals in, in this situation? And what are our goals as a congregation? What is the purpose that we have as the Lord's church as, as we move forward uh, to the other side of, of this situation that we've been in? Are we going to continue to be satisfied with, with the least, uh, with the attitude of at least we can do this? Or are we going to seek opportunities to do more? You know, historically, and this is this is my way of thinking. In in the world, in our country, we have two different New Years, and uh, we have the New Year uh, that we celebrate uh, in January at the beginning of the actual year, and we have the New Year that we celebrate when school starts back. When those parents who have had to deal with their children for extended periods of time this year are able to push those kids away and get them back into a school environment, and uh, uh have a little bit of normalcy back to their lives. But here we are at the beginning of that, at that second new year that we've talked about. And, and there is a great potential right now for us as a congregation to work together and to grow spiritually. And I think that's the goal of every Christian is to see the Lord's church grow. I would love to see this building full. I would love to see it at capacity. And I would love to see us have to uh, seek other options for us to be able to uh, get everyone who, who is attending worship in this building. And I think that all of us would like to see that. 
But there are things that we can do. There are things that we have to do if we're going to grow spiritually and if we're going to grow numerically. And one of the things that we have to do is we have to be united. In Psalm 133, verse 1, David said, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. But as with everything that we undertake to do, there is a wrong way and there's a right way to do things. Uh, if you'll look with me in Genesis chapter 11, Genesis chapter 11, we're going to begin in verse 1. In this section of Scripture, uh, it, this is a situation that takes place after the flood. It says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and make them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Here we have a group of people that uh, were united. And uh, they were united as one. And even, even God recognized the unity that this group of people had. And, and he says in, in the reading that we just uh, went over that there's nothing that these people can't accomplish because of the unity they have. You see, God didn't have a problem with their unity. In fact, this is the type of unity that God desires us to have. But what God had a problem with was the goal of that unity. Notice verse 4 tells us that, that their goal was to make a name for themselves. How many times do we find ourselves putting ourselves before God in the goals that we have in our lives? You know, I think a lot about uh, when, I, when I start to prepare to do this, I, I start getting things planned out. And, and I used to think to myself, you know, I want to do this in a way that people uh, are... Uh, that I can carry, that I can catch someone's attention. I, I want to do this in in a way that 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 seems uh, like I know what I'm doing. And the whole time, when I when I really get to thinking about it, the whole purpose of standing here is is not to do things like that, but it's to glorify God in what we do. And our and our purpose of being here is, is to learn more about how to bring honor and glory to God. But this is what the people had done. They had left God out of the picture, and they wanted to glorify themselves in this situation. You know, there are a lot of people like this today and uh, who, who want to do things their way. And we learn quickly that God wants us to do it His way and not our way. If we'll notice, uh, we'll see what happened to them. It says, come, let us go down and there and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth and they ceased building the city. Therefore, the name uh, of the city is called Babel because the Lord confused the language of the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. If you would turn with me to uh, Philip, uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Philippians 1, 27. Uh, here, Paul is going to show us a way that, that is uh, a kind of unity that is, that is pleasing to God. He said, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear your of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. 
And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You see, the unity that we have has to be based upon God's Word. Uh, if we want it to be pleasing to God. Now, I'm sure that, that there are many ways that we could grow this congregation uh, numerically, but um, uh, we could do that in, in some of the ways like the people of Babel did. Uh, we could try to do it our way by, by putting God out of the picture. But if we want God to be on our side and we want to honor and glorify God in the things that we are doing, then we must grow this congregation spiritually and numerically in the way that God intends for us to do it. I can promise you that, that God would rather have 10 people in an assembly who are worshiping Him in spirit and in truth than, than 1,000 or even 10,000 people who are, who are just there to fill the pews. Paul warns us so time and again in his writings uh, to watch out for those who are teaching things that are contrary to the Word of God and to avoid people like that. Um, and as we begin to work together in, in the Ninth Avenue congregation, as we work our way through uh, the things that we have dealt with, uh, with the virus putting us off into different uh, situations, uh, we need to realize that, it, that it's going to take time. Just like any good thing, anything that you undertake to do in your life, you're going to have to put effort forward and you're going to have to put time into it. Um, there's a thing that we have to overcome in, in our uh, endeavors to do this. And we have to overcome a society that has the mentality that if it feels good, then it's got to be right. So many times we see God's Word twisted and, and adjusted to fit the lives that we want to live instead of twisting and adjusting our lives to fit the way God's Word or God intends for us to do. So as we begin to to do these things, as we begin to try to grow, as we begin to try to come through on the other side of this. And I hope that, that we will be willing to roll up our sleeves and, and that we're going to be willing to work and grow Ninth Avenue the way that we can. Oh, uh, you know, as I said, there's always a wrong and a right way to do things. Now that we've looked at the wrong way, let's, let's take a, a few minutes for the rest of our time this morning and, and look at some of the ways that we can work together to grow Ninth Avenue. First of all, we need to strive to look forward and not backward. Paul is an excellent example of someone who looks forward and not backward. You, if you'll remember the life that, that he lived, the fact that uh, he had persecuted Christians and all the things that he had done, if Paul had taken the, himself and dwelt on these things over and over again, I don't think that his success would have been quite what it was. But when he was writing to the to the Philippians in chapter three, he tells us how he how he persecuted the church, and now he considers what he did as a loss to Christ. Paul goes on to tell us that even uh, though he lost all the the prestige and the, and the wealth that he had before he became a Christian, that he considered all of that garbage uh, and would rather suffer for Christ than to have those kinds of things. Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, as was read a bit earlier, says, Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellent, uh, excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from, 
which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death, if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Think about it. Paul wrote this letter after he had already completed uh, three missionary journeys. And it wasn't as simple, if you'll remember, uh, if you're going to set out on a journey in this day and time, you're either going to walk or you're, you're going to get in a boat and you're going to uh, travel that way. And I don't know how many of you have ever been on a cruise or ever been out to sea or, or anything like that, but there's times when the water gets kind of rough. And if you're in a boat the size of what they would have been sailing on, it would have been a very difficult journey. We have to give Paul a lot of credit for the fact that he was willing to go through such, go to such lengths to be able to go and spread God's word. But um, anyway, uh, he, he, had, he had already completed three missionary journeys and, and he had done a lot of great things for the cause of Christ. But he understood that as long as he was breathing, he, he still had a great deal more to do. Uh, he makes that statement in verse 12. He says, Paul, or, uh, Paul is, is teaching us very clearly that you cannot retire from serving the Lord. Um, you have to press on in, in your service to God. And I believe that, that some people think that they can put in 10 or 20 good years in service to, to the church and then kick back and take it easy and let the next generation take over that uh, that work, and it's just not possible if we want to continue to grow the Lord's church. Um, in verse thirteen, Paul tells us that he what he does he he forgets those things which are behind and reaches forward to those things which are ahead. Paul wasn't just forgetting uh, the bad times that that he had been through in his life; he was also forgetting those good things that he had done as well. You know. Too many times we get caught up on dwelling on the successes that we've had in our life. And, and that makes us begin to, to sometimes be proud or it makes us begin to be complacent when we look back and we see that we have had some success. But there's never room and there's never opportunity for us to stop. We always have to press forward. I think the worst thing that we could do is let our, our thoughts linger on the bad things that we've, that we've experienced in our lives. Uh, because what that will do is, is continue to drag us down. We also need to avoid thinking about the service that we've done in the past and, and thinking that we've already fulfilled the duty that, that God has set out for us. Instead, we need to forget the past and we need to move forward. You know, it's great to, to look back and to be able to, to look at people that you've worked with and, and look at the progress that they've made in their Christian spiritual walk, but you know, we can't continue to dwell on those things. We have to move forward to, to, uh, to bring more people into the kingdom. The second thing we need to do in order to grow the Lord's church is we need to get involved. There have been a lot of studies done throughout time on, on why churches grow spiritually and numerically. And one of the reasons that, that topped the list is because people 
become involved. And, and this is just common sense that, that uh, and a, a group where people are involved will, will progress. You know, the more you get involved in a congregation, the more you're going to become part of that. The more you invest, the more you put yourself into it, the more that you're going to, to want to see it grow, the more that's going to become a part of your life. And, and, and naturally, you will become more and more uh, willing to work and do in something that you see that is being a success. Some of us uh, may at times convince ourselves that, that they have nothing to offer for the church, or maybe some think that, that maybe you're too old, or maybe you're too young, or maybe you just feel that someone else could do it better than you. But we have um, to always realize that, that this works because each and every one of us have our own part. Each and every one of us are working together toward that goal. In Exodus chapter 4, verses uh, beginning in verse 10, it says, Then Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since. You have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth, or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? In Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, he says, Then I then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for I shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. You know, just like Moses and just like Jeremiah, we always try to make excuses as to why we can't do things, but those things don't work. And neither will the excuses that, that we can come up with. And I can guarantee you that everybody in this room has something that they can do for the Lord. Uh, whether it, it's, it's in our worship service or, or whether it's outside, uh, everyone in this congregation has something that they can do for God. Paul teaches us in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and, and Romans 12 that, that we make up the body of Christ and that every part has a purpose and every part has a function. And that means that every single person in this assembly, in this room this morning, has a purpose and has a role to play in, in bettering this congregation and, and helping it to grow. We all have been blessed with some type of ability. You know, some of us, some of us may not be able to do anything other than call a person and encourage them or send them a card, but everyone has an ability um, in a purpose in the Lord's church. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, he says, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. You can still try to make excuses and you can say that you have nothing to offer, but Paul makes it clear that God has set each member of the church just as he pleased. He knows what, what abilities and what purposes that each one of us have. And God has not set you in a place to be idle or to be lazy. We can see uh, in the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 14, uh, verses 1 through 30, where, where a man leaves his goods with, with three of his servants for them to take care of while he's gone off on a journey. Uh, and he gives one man five and he gives another two and he, and he gives a third one talent. And the man in this parable represents Jesus going going into heaven, and his servants represent you and I uh, with the things that he has entrusted to us. And, and as the parable goes on, the man with five talents and the man with two talents, they both 
uh, we know the we know the story. They they both uh, invest and they work with those things that they had been given, and they increased. And, and when when the the master came back, they were able to say, "This is the what you gave us, and this is what we have done with it." But then there was that third man, that third man who who was given an ability. And as we looked, the other two got five and and two, and this man was given one. He was given a small thing to do, a small thing to take care of. But I guess he let the the cares of the world get in his way, and he was he was unable to do or unwilling to do with that small talent that he was given. And, and we know the rest of the story: how the master returned, and he was he was thankful for what his servants had done, but he he pronounced a punishment upon the one who was a lazy and slothful servant. We need to ask ourselves a question this morning: which which of these servants are we like as a congregation here and as each individual part of this of this church which one of these servants most most uh, closely fits our lives are you like the third servant this morning or are you like the one who who was unwilling to take the little that he was given and try to make more out of it the third thing we need to do as a church in order to to grow our congregation is we need to love one another First Peter chapter three verses eight through nine says, "Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you are all called to this, that you may inherit a blessing." Peter gives us a a, a very good definition here of how we should love one another in unity. Uh, notice the first thing he tells us to do is to have compassion for one another. And that is to be sympathetic or, or understanding of what your, what your brothers and sisters may be going through or may have gone through in their life. Paul explains it in this way. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We have a duty to each other to, to be there for each other and, and to help out in times of trouble. Next, Peter tells us to leave or to love as brothers. I think we can all understand the concept of love and the concept of loving as a brother. Brother or sisters love uh, one another even, even when they mess up or even when they make mistakes. We all love each other. And I know that at times it may seem that that love has gotten away, but, but it is still there. At times, you know, we, we have the tendencies to need to sit and, and dwell on things ourselves and to try to to figure out what is going on, but we never stop, even though it may seem that way, we never stop having that love for our brothers and sisters. You know, the same should be true with with our Christian brothers and sisters. Oh, I know that I have I have witnessed in my life, oh my, you know, my family is just like everyone else's family. We've we've never been perfect and we've had our our bouts with, with problems and troubles throughout the years, but we never quit loving each other. The same goes holds true for, for us here in this congregation. Even though we struggle, even though we battle day to day, we don't stop loving each other. Next, Peter tells us to be tenderhearted, that is to be kind and affectionate to one another. Uh, he also tells us to be courteous. Uh, he uh, he uses a word here that 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 would mean humble-minded this is a person who doesn't think uh, too highly of themselves when you start thinking highly of yourself most most of the time you're you're headed for a fall 
when you begin to compare yourself with other people and to begin to think that everyone else just fails in comparison to you, uh, you're headed for a fall. So we should always strive to be humble-minded. Finally, Peter tells us not to return evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Um, and this is probably one of the hardest things that we as Christians, we as humans, all together deal with today. Uh, our first thought is, is most of the time when someone does something wrong to us is to uh, fight back and, and get back at them. Um, but that's not what God expects us to do. If we live in a society that, that loves revenge, if one of um, our brothers or sisters in Christ does something uh, toward us, uh, like cursing us or stealing it from us or, or any other kind of evil that was first, uh, our first response sometimes is that we want to get back at them and we want to do the same thing to them or something in comparison to what they do. Uh, and we turn around and we try to dish back to them the things that they, that they have thrown up to us. But that's not what a Christian is supposed to do. Jesus tells us, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, to bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. You know, this can be a very hard thing for us to do sometimes, but if we, if we want to have the kind of love that God expects us to have toward one another, then we need to try our best to work on things like this every day of our life. And finally, if we want to be successful and grow in this congregation, we have to pray. You know, prayer is a wonderful gift that's been given to us. It's our avenue to to talk to God. You know, a lot of times when, a lot of times during prayer, I feel like the things that I say are, are not right. And, I, and a lot of times I struggle with, with how to go about uh, praying for certain things. Uh, Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. I think a lot of times we fail to pray, we fail to have a strong prayer life because our, our faith in God is not as strong as it should be. I think a lot of times we, we try to lean on the excuse that we really don't know how to ask for what we, what we need to ask for. But prayer is a wonderful blessing that we've been given to talk to God and to ask for help. And I hope that all of us pray every day for this congregation, and I hope that we all Pray that we would have opportunities to, to reach out to the lost and to grow spiritually and numerically. I know this morning that our lesson may not have been as, uh, uh, as long as some of the others that we have uh, heard and may not be as long as some of the others that I have given, but the fact remains that we need to concentrate on some things as, as we begin to come out of, the, of this situation that we've been in for the past several months and we need to not lose our faith and we need to not lose heart and we need to realize that the Lord's church has to grow and that we still have work to do and we have to find ways to do that. You know, God wants us to have unity and He wants us to have unity based on His Word and, and we can achieve that unity by looking forward. We look forward to the things that lie ahead and we achieve that unity by getting involved and by loving one another and we achieve it by prayer. If you're willing this morning to do these things, that's great. But if you question yourself, you question, have I been as big a part of this congregation as I could have? Uh, maybe there are some changes you need to make in your life this morning. Uh, have I loved my brother the way I should have? Maybe there are some changes you need to make in your life this morning. 
you know, I feel confident that, that we can accomplish in this congregation, we can accomplish great things for the cause of Christ. But in order to do that, we have to work on ourselves first. You know, like I said before, I'd love to see every seat in this auditorium filled. But the thing about it is, it's more important for us to work on those who are here, for us to become unified, for us to become uh, the church as one, as God intended for it to be. I believe that is the most important step, the first and most important step for us to grow this congregation numerically. So this morning, if you have examined things in your life and you realize that you need to make some changes or, or maybe you haven't put on Christ in baptism and you would like to, to do that this morning, uh, whatever your need is, if you would come as we stand together and we sing. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 10.30 a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m., with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.